Hello mamas and welcome to episode 13 of Bump to Mum. I'm your host Emma and this week's conversation is with the lovely Renata or Ren who is a mother to three boys, she's a nurse, she's a midwife and she's also the founder of Lila Jasmine which is um, some beautiful lactation bars and she's also now offering a course focused on the fourth trimester. I feel like this is one of those just good old mom chats. We literally talk about everything and anything. Um, it's focusing on Ren's career and how she had the inspiration to start Lila Jasmine. Um, also, you know, the sort of work she's done as a nurse um, and now as a midwife. We also just talk through her motherhood journey, um, her fourth trimester with each of her boys, where she's at now. She's got a teenager, a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, so she's got her hands full. She shares some of her, I guess, best tips for managing the fourth trimester, getting through the fourth trimester, and we also talk about the course that she is now offering, which, you know, we really focus here like on how important it is to educate yourself about birth for sure but also about postpartum so um, it's a really cool chat Ren has been so lovely to share a discount code with me so bump to mum 10 will get you 10% off the Lila Jasmine range you can go onto her website which I will tag in the show notes to purchase those um, and they are absolutely delicious I can 100% guarantee that I've been scoffing my face with them recently but yeah enjoy this chat Ren is just a beautiful person and I hope you enjoy. Hey Ren, how are you going? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm pretty much recovered from COVID now I think. I've still got a nasally sounding voice but I feel much much better. That <laughs> so that's good the- to hear, you know what, you don't you don't sound too nasally so that's good. Oh, oh good, 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 good. I know it's, <laughs> it's amazing. I've got through three years without having COVID which I think is like miraculous yeah exactly and then it's just hit hit all of us we all went down so yeah first experience not fun (laughs) totally I'm glad it's over too yeah hey I'd love you to tell anyone that's listening a little bit about yourself and your family and your business Lila Jasmine sure um so I'm Renata but also just go by Ren. Um, we are a family of five. So my husband, Jeremy, and I have three pretty wild boys, but they're also <laughs> super awesome. Um, so we have a teenager, actually. Our eldest oh, is wow. 13. Yeah, that was an adjustment. Um, his name is Eli. And then we have quite a big gap. Um, and so our two younger boys, um, Sebastian is seven and Xavier is six. Um, so that is our little family. We live in Hamilton. Um, we've been here quite a while, like over 15 years now. Um, and we have a couple of small businesses. Um, one of which is Lila Jasmine, which is a brand really committed to motherhood, really. Um, Mm. from a product perspective, it sells lactation bars, though we hope to at some point you know, has some other offerings and also Mm. it has like an educational component. So I teach only really about the fourth trimester. That's kind of like my little passion area. Um, Yeah. yeah. So that is me and Lila Jasmine. Oh, so cool. And I've had some of the bars and they are absolutely delish. And we'll go into it in a bit more detail about how I guess 
you came up with like um lila jasmine but tell i'd love to know a little bit about where you're at with in your motherhood journey at the moment so you've got a teenager two boys like how how are you juggling mom life <laughs> career life and you're also a midwife and a nurse so I i'd am. love to hear a little bit about where you're at in your career and your, your motherhood journey Right now, life feels like super busy. Um, I'm working probably more than I would like to work, but we do have some like, you know, plans in the horizon to do, decrease that a little bit. But um, I think probably I don't always juggle it very well. Like, you know, that, you know, the saying, you know, you can only spin so many plates and one eventually falls and drops. And that's mm. true. You know, you can't be good at everything all the time. Um, but things that probably make it easier for me um, is that Jeremy, like I don't do it alone. So Jeremy and I parent quite equally um, because I work, I'm currently working at one of our primary birth centers here in Hamilton and that's shift work. So I'm doing 12 hour days, 12 hour nights. Um, And so, yeah, so we like, you know, he has to do drop offs and pickups and dinner Mm. and like historically they've been things that I've done because, he would have been at work so we just kind of tag team a lot um we have a super organized calendar it's (laughs) color-coded it's like linked to every apple device it has alerts and reminders (laughs) yeah so that's like i can't i get really irritated if somebody doesn't put any something in the calendar that needs to be in the calendar um (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what else? My brain's a bit mushy nowadays after having babies. I'm like certain it's a thing. I don't know if it's got a name. It probably does, but I can't remember anything without lists or reminders. Mm. Um, I'm the same and I only have one child, but like I used to really pride myself on my memory and like I could just remember so much. And now I'm, it sounds very like you, like everything's in the shared calendar. Everything's yes. in a shared reminder list, a shared note list. I also have my own Emma to-do list because I think of things during the day and if I don't write yep. them down, I'll have no idea what it is. It's yep. like, I don't know what happened to my brain. It's a, It's got to be some sort of phenomenon. I don't know, yeah. but it is totally a thing. Um, we recently sold our house and we were packing up and I – Without a word of a lie, threw out like two really expensive things. <laughs> and I know it was just because like it was like a frazzled mum brain, you know, like 500 tabs open on the computer screen, you know. And yes. I think that's a bit like what our brains are like, eh? Hey? Um, oh, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't juggle it. Something always falls off. But I do have a little like, you know, a few no, non-negotiables like... Um, I try to have one day a week to myself and I won't lie it quite often gets railroaded by like a sick child or a teacher only day but I try to have one day a week where it's just mine and I can do what I want um uh Jeremy and I have lunch together every week um at least once yeah just a nice 30 minutes of like no kids and just time together um I try to yeah, I think everybody should do that. It's a really cool, um, like, less hassle than, um, well, I guess my kids are in school, so I can make that happen, but easier yeah. than, like, a date night, I guess. Mm. Um, and I try to get sleep, but to be honest, that doesn't always happen. But I think if I can get eight hours, I'm a much better human. 
Yeah, that's and especially if you're doing the night work, like that is oh got gosh. to be so hard. <laughs> and then the business still needs to run and life goes on in the day. I can imagine that's I mean, it doesn't take long know. for things to get off kilter. Like I worked Saturday mm. night. It was daylight saving. So it ended up being a 13-hour night shift. Oh. Um, and so I am. And, and you're right. Things just miss off. Like I'm a bit behind on Lila Jasmine. But you know what? I'll catch up at some point. <laughs> yeah. And you just got you just have to kind of like give in to that eh, and just realize yeah. like I actually, oh, well. I'm a human. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. And I think um, – that's right. You know what you've got to do. And like when push comes to shove, you just get it done, don't you? Mm. I would love you to tell us a little bit about how I guess you began your career as a, a nurse and then went into the um, becoming a midwife. And then obviously from that, you've been inspired to start Lila Jasmine. I'd love you to mm. share that journey with everyone because it's, it's cool. And also then I guess talking about why you became so passionate about the fourth trimester. Okay, sure. Um, Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I actually studied nursing right out of high school. Um, So I moved, I'd gone to boarding school and then I moved home and did my nursing degree in Rotorua. Um, But I always knew I wanted to do a a midwifery degree as well. So back then, this is like 20 years ago, um, you could tack on a midwifery degree onto a nursing degree. You just had to do a little bit of extra study. So I always knew I was going to do both. Yeah, um, it's not the same now. Like um, if you're a nurse prior, you actually have to do a full midwifery degree. Um, but many moons ago, that wasn't the case. Um, so that's what I did. I went to nursing school. Um, I actually got married quite young. So I was 19 when I got married. And that was in uh, my final year of nursing school. Um, so when the time came and I graduated, I applied to do midwifery and I also applied for a job at Waikato Hospital and we were young and broke and I got into both, but I took the job. Yeah, we wanted some money. Um, so I worked for a year um, as a nurse and then the hospital I was working for was actually looking for nurses to train to become midwives because it was quicker. Um, so I did that. I had my training paid for um, and then I had to work for the DHB for two years but that I've been with that same organization for 15 years now in a variety of different roles um so that's kind of like how I became a midwife um yeah I guess in my time the roles have changed like I did pediatric nursing um I worked all the way through my midwifery study so I did that for about five years and then I started as a midwife. And so I'm just a core midwife. I work in a um, – I'm employed by the hospital to work anywhere there's pregnant or postnatal women. So it could be delivery suite or theatre or, you know, the postnatal ward. Um, and then I work at a primary birth unit, um, which is just all postnatal stuff. Um, so that's kind of like the work that I've done and how much mm-hmm. I've worked has varied over the years. Like when the kids were really little, it was – not a lot and now like our youngest is in school as well so I just work a little Mm. bit more um yeah so that's kind of like the nursing midwifery thing what was the second part to the question (laughs) I've forgotten (laughs) no that's okay and then just kind of what you know so you're working as a as a nurse and a midwife what then inspired you to start Lila Jasmine 
Got it. Um, so there was a point probably about five years ago where midwifery was just kind of not doing it for me and I didn't really want to go back to it. Um, and so we bought a little retail business actually. Um, it's called Little Mash and it had a bricks and mortar store in Hamilton City and an online store and I thought, yeah, I'd quite like to do something like that. Mm. Um, so we bought that and I started working in there and went pretty quick. We knew that we wanted to have our own brand. Um, and we, you know, we knew we didn't want to do clothing or, you know, accessories or, you know, there's just lots of that out there. And we thought we'd do something relative to the knowledge and skills I had. Mm. It was Jeremy, actually, who was like, why don't we do a lactation bar? One that's oh. wrapped. Um so, yeah, and then I was like, that would be cool. And then I was like, and what if I did education but not antenatal classes? Because I'd noticed mm. the deficit, like that women are so ultra-prepared for labour and birth <laughs> and they're so invested in their pregnancy and then they get their baby and they're like, what do I do now? Um, yes. So I knew I knew that's where I wanted to position myself. Um, so, yeah, we actually hand-baked bars for a a quite a while like a year or two um oh and then we were just it was a lot Jeremy was the baker I was the packer we used <laughs> to hire a commercial kitchen and then it shut down in the 2020 lockdown and oh. yeah and we were getting hassled for bars and we were like we just like we can't do it and then we thought you know what like people are asking us let's see what we can do so we got our home kitchen certified <laughs> And we were baking like three or four nights a week. And I just began to loathe it because you'd have to bake at night when the kids are in bed and you have to wait yeah. for them to cool. And then I'd have to get up really early and package them. And I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I quit. <laughs> yeah, you're working like and round the clock. No, I know. It was just ridiculous. Um, but Jeremy, he is like a cup overflowing kind of person. And he was like, you know what? We can't quit. Like, women of New Zealand want these bars. So he found a factory um, here in New Zealand, and they now get made in a factory. And I don't have to get up really early. That's great. Oh um, yeah, so the bars that you see now, um, you know, we came from very humble beginnings. That's not how we started. But it is mm. really cool to have these bars that we've got now that are scattered all across the country. It's amazing. And like, it just shows like, I think it's one of those things that when you've become a mother, you kind of realize where there's these gaps. Like you're like, why is, mm -hmm. why is this not exist? Why do we not have something like this? And you've literally just been able to kind of create your, you know, your business out of through your motherhood journey, which is super cool because yeah. there's also a lot going on, else going on when you're becoming a mum and learning that and then starting a business and learning the ropes of that, which I'm sure, you know, there's lots of ups and downs <laughs> along Absolutely. the way. Yeah. yeah. So did either of you have like a, a cooking background or was that something? No. This is the crazy about? thing. Like, oh I mean, I'm a nurse and a midwife. So when we started, yeah. like when we even bought Little Mash, we had no idea. So um, Jeremy, he has like a, a manufacturing, like a warehouse manufacturing background. He's worked oh, okay. for Fonterra for nearly 20 years. Yeah. Um, and now he works for like a global um, packaging company. So we don't know anything about this sort of stuff, but we just went for it. Mm. Um, and sometimes that's just what you've got to do. Just give 100%. it a go. 
And it's yeah. like that imposter syndrome that we all, I'm mm, sure we all my gosh. It's like, who am I to do something? And it's like, well, who's anyone to start anything? But we have these things and it's just literally like you've done, someone just having the guts to kind of say, yeah, actually, you know what, let's, let's do this. And if it doesn't work out, well, then, well, okay. That, I will tell sucks. you a secret. I'll tell you a secret. Yeah. So our first, our first, like obviously we'd done um, sample bars at home and we actually mm. worked with a food technology, food technologist, sorry, um, who came up with the formulation that we have now. But our first bars we actually sold before we even had them. Like we didn't even have them. We were just like, you know what, I don't even know if anyone's going to buy them. <laughs> and we sold yeah. our first bars on Mother's Day and I was like, this is incredible um and then the same thing with the workshop we I started selling workshop tickets before I'd even made it oh I, just, I just <laughs> I just I just like knew yeah and I was like okay so people are gonna come people are prepared to pay okay now I've got to make it happen and and that's kind of I mean there was obviously more to it but it, it did go like it did go that way I'm really actually excited to hear you talk about this workshop that you're now offering because that is something that I just think is like how how do we not have you know this sort of education around postpartum and fourth trimester but before we go into that I would love if you could touch on your experience of that fourth trimester with your boys like totally you know it was I'm I'd love to know is it diff, was it different with each boy was it quite similar um yeah just what how was that for you you know, when I had my first son, Eli, um, I had been a nurse for a few years and I was a midwifery student and yeah. I thought I was so naive. I was like, you know what? I look after babies all the time. I know mm. what I'm doing. And I had a cesarean, se- elective cesarean section and I was on the table and they handed me the baby and I looked at Jeremy and I was just like terrified. I was like, what do we do now? (laughs) We we were like deers in the headlights. We had no idea. And the thing with parenthood is that like you eventually find your way, you know, you you get to learn your baby. But for those first three months, it's pretty intense. Um, And so that's what the sports trimester workshop is all about is just kind of like, all the things that you should know that you don't know so that you're just got those Mm. little bits in your toolkit and you're just like, it just makes it so much easier to survive. And when those things, when you're staring down the barrel of whatever it is, you're like, ah, I know what this is. Yeah. Um, You know how to like deal with it. And when I started teaching the fourth trimester workshop, it's definitely growing legs. Like the, the, the entire concept of fourth trimester, like it's Mm. not, it's not new, but it's also not like antenatal classes are by far the thing that people prioritize um, over anything else. And I do think that's important. But as a midwife, I also know that like, if your baby's coming in the car, it's coming in the car. Like there's nothing, (laughs) there is nothing you can do to stop that. Um, So you don't always get what you want. Um, So anyway, around, back to how we got here this is when I started putting it out into the world all these mums who had had babies were like this is what we needed this Mm -hmm. is the thing so it's been amazing um we teach it face to what I teach it face to face once a month and then I also just have an online version as well Mm. so that anyone can access it yeah 
I think it's such a good idea. It's funny you'd say that because me and my sister were literally talking about this this morning and it's like all this emphasis on a birth plan. My sister's a nurse Mm. as well. And so she's, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of not in peds or anything like that, but we, you know, she's got that medical background and we were kind of saying like, it's all this emphasis on your birth plan and what you want for your birth and everyone talks about it. But at the end of the day, I mean, some people get to really kind of own and dictate what how their birth is going to be but for a lot of us those like we don't get those options because for the health and safety of you and your baby some decisions just need to happen totally arrive safely so it's like you spend all this time making this plan but then okay the plan you don't get to follow the plan because like for example for me I had had a plan but then my waters broke and I didn't go into labor. So I had to be induced yeah. and being induced yeah. wasn't in my plan. So then the whole plan's no. gone. So it's like, That's it. You know, that, or if yeah, your baby then, just for some reason comes upside down or, yeah. you know, at 24 weeks or, you know, like there's just so many variables that you cannot control. Like you have no idea if you're going to get gestational diabetes or not. And you can't like, you can't stop it. It's just going to happen to you or it's not going to happen to you. So I agree. My, like, probably the thing that I wish or encourage women the most would be to spend an equal amount of time investing in the fourth trimester as they do pregnancy and birth because I do think the scales heavily lean to the other way. Um, And so that would be, like, man, just prepare for it because it will be so much and more enjoyable and successful um, if you know more about it. I think back on my fourth trimester now, and I I struggle to remember aspects of it because I think I was like deer in the headlights <laughs> just trying to figure it out that I wasn't exactly absorbing what mm-hmm. was happening. And it's not that that was bad. Like that, you know, we were, we, we were just doing what we needed to do each day and getting through and, it was, you know, there's some really special moments, but it's also very blurry because I think I was just in that survival mode mm-hmm. and I couldn't really be like, oh, stop and take it all in because I was already just like trying to figure out how to do the next thing or what was, you know, the plan for the next day or this work today and what should I do different and what the heck is totally. happening to me. It was, you know, like it's, totally. you are really like in a bit of shock and you've just given some, it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, so your body is, like, going through all of these adjustments. And sometimes I quite often meet parents who have, like, a very unrealistic expectation of what it actually is. Like, you know, they'll say to me, so the baby feeds every two to three hours? (laughs) Like, that's shocking to them, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, they might do that for a whole year, (laughs) you know? Um, Or that a baby might not sleep through till they're, like, you know, 18 months old. Sometimes, mm. I mean, my seven-year-old still comes in my bed. So, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And so it just quite surprises me how um, little people know. And then when you add that to just, like, the lack of sleep and the healing and, you know, like, depending on the kind of birth that you've had, sometimes just that alone, the healing is a lot no, oh, exactly. The amount of feeding was probably something that really blew my mind. Like I didn't yeah. realize how often, especially in that kind of first eight weeks, actually maybe first three months, how often baby would feed. And like everyone, would, some people would say to me, oh, yeah, we're on a three-hour feeding schedule. I'm like, I can't even get this baby to go like two hours without <laughs> wanting a feed. Like what? Like I just felt like I, I know. just 
day and all night. <laughs> and also, like, because a feed can take quite a while, can't it? Like, yes. you yeah. know, 45, 60 minutes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then we, we time a feed from the start of a feed. So you're, if your baby's feeding too early, you've only got one hour in between. Yeah. Yeah. I also didn't realize that. And that, you know, sometimes I'd also want a cluster feed, which could mean just like literally (laughs) sitting there for hours Hours. as they just fed on and off, slept, fed, slept, fed. And if you tried to move them, you know, all hell break. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. So these are all the sort of little, um, I mean, I guess they shouldn't be golden nuggets, but for some parents, they absolutely are. Hmm. Yeah. what would so, be yeah. some other examples of things that you would cover off in the course? We have kind of 10 key sort of things that I talk about. Um, mm. And I kind of loosely break it up into two sections. So we talk about mum, uh, sorry, baby first, and then we go yeah. into mum. So I talk about like what the first few hours looks like because quite often people think the baby's born and that's it. But there's quite a lot that uh, as a midwife I have to get done. Um, mm. you know, like a first feed and checking your perineum and making sure bleeding's okay. So kind of just like, uh, cause people are just very keen to like, okay, so is it a girl or a boy and how much does it weigh? You know, yeah. and there's so much more to it than that. Um, so that's, I spend a bit of time talking about that. Um, and then the next two biggest things are feeding and sleep. Um, so yeah. I cover off, um, breastfeeding, um, uh, and expressing and a little bit about bottle feeding if it's required as well. Um, Mm. And then safe sleep um, because that's also another one. Like people don't have realistic expectations of how much babies sleep and also Mm. um, and how to do it safely, whether you are, um, you know, baby is in its own space or if um, you're co-sleeping. So I talk about that. And I kind of cover off like, newborn FAQs I call it so it's all the little things Mm. like heat rash and urates and birthmarks and temperature and how to do CPR and swaddling Mm. and and a myriad of of things that people want to know but don't know um Mm. and then we split off and we do mum um and so my leading into that I actually talk about postnatal depression and the baby blues Mm -hmm. um primarily because there's actually no one, like, from a clinician um, perspective who's responsible for checking that for you. Um, mm. And so I just want women to know or, or partners to know um, so that, you know, if you've got any inkling that it might be there, um, you know, firstly how to do, like, a self-test at home and then what resources and support services are out there. Mm. Um, I talk about pelvic floor because man, once you become a mum and you are <laughs> running and jumping and playing, you really want your pelvic floor to be in good nick. So I talk about that. Um, we do a little bit of postpartum nutrition. Just uh, we actually have like a really awesome ebook that anybody can download from our website for free. So Aww. we cover off that. Yeah, it's um, it wasn't written by me. It was written by um, a nutritionist and a woman's health health physiotherapist. Um, yeah who has some expertise in the area. So it's got recipes and guidance and all that kind of stuff. So we do a bit of that. What else do we do? We talk about postnatal body, so just all of the kind of changes, hair, skin, face, mm. um, you know, a variety of things and tips and tricks that, and services that I know of or that I've learned of. And then the last thing we talk about is re- relationships and parenting. And, okay, I'm not an expert yeah. in that, but it is more like uh, – 
having an awareness of like what kind of parent you want to be and making sure that you're on the same page with you know whoever you're parenting with because there's nothing like a you know 12 a.m like we're not doing that I didn't know we were not doing that you know so it's more it's more that and um yeah I guess it's hard for people to place the importance on it. I guess if it's not something yeah. like if the fourth trimester is not something that they've considered, but we've lots of reviews. So that's a good way to like skim through and read and decide if that's um, something you want to invest your time and money on. And of course I'm going to say, I think you should, but yeah. you know, seeing what other people have written um, will help you make that choice. Yeah, I think it's something as well, like when we, when you, maybe this is, this was just my experience, but when people talked about the fourth trimester when I was pregnant, my, you know, the only things that I really heard about or learned about was basically, oh, this is what postnatal depression is and this is what the baby blues are and you should be aware of these. But all the other things that can happen or you'll experience it wasn't so it was either it was, so it was like that far on the spectrum but there was nothing about just like day to day okay you don't have postnatal yeah. depression or both the baby blues but just generally like things that you'll go through things you'll experience you know how you might feel day to day like mm. there was mm. nothing about that so it's like kind of like doom and gloom this could happen but that was all I really knew um yes how many women would you say that you've kind of had in your care that really have had quite you know, have had postnatal depression versus like baby blues. Like, is it how common is it? Because it's not something I hear talked about much. And I guess it's is it people are scared to talk about it. I'm not sure. I so the baby blues, which is the one that lasts, you know, like day ten to fourteen. That's very common. So like mm. most women are going to feel that, and it's just because of a, a fall off in hormones, which causes you to feel that way. Um. Mm. So I very often we'll walk into a room and uh, a mum will be crying and she'll be saying, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, and then I get to tell her why she's crying and like, it's fine. Like, you know, this is what it is and this is why you're feeling this way. But if you're still feeling these things later and I can talk her through that. Um, yeah. And in all honesty, postnatal depression, I don't see very often. Um, I think the statistics mm. are up at about 15% of um, women. Um, and this is because, my contact with them has ceased by that point because we only kind of look after women for four to six weeks so Mm. um it's not it's something probably that's seen by gps more but this is the thing because you're discharged you've got to take self-responsibility for it so you've got to first Mm. acknowledge it then seek some treatment and if you're not doing that or you're not or you think that maybe that's okay or um then maybe this is why it gets missed. I also think there's just such a bad stigma about mental health and that we don't talk about it because we think it's Mm. um, bad, but I I don't really know why it's any different to heart disease or a sprained ankle. Um, But for some reason it is, and that's really sad. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of where the statistics are. Most women will get the baby blues, um, but maybe only about 15% of women will get postnatal depression. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's a lot of like, and maybe it's part of being a mum, you want to be seen to like be thriving and loving it and whatnot. And I don't, I think there's like a a real pride thing about it that you, like, women maybe don't want to accept that they aren't loving this and they're not 
thriving and it's just you don't really hear much about it. Like that's the thing. Like you I don't. can say I have so many, you know, I go to baby groups and space groups and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and it's not really I've ever – no, I mean maybe it's not the forum to talk about. Well, no, that oh, should be the forum to talk about it. it. Where yeah. else you talk about it? You know, like if we're wanting to normalize it, but I've never really heard it talked about or someone sharing their experience. It's all very kind of, yeah, secret, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think in hindsight, I definitely had postnatal depression when I had my third baby. So my middle oh, really? boy CB is a beautiful boy, but boy, he is wild um and he has been running away from me since he was about one year old um (laughs) and then I had his brother Zave and so him and Zave are 17 months apart and I know that's a very usual age gap for a lot of families but you have to remember that Eli's six and seven years older than his brothers so for me it was like oh my goodness this is a lot um and I just remember that year being so hard I felt like I had two babies and there's just all those other stresses, like neither would sleep. Well, actually the baby would, but the toddler wouldn't. Mm. And, you know, um, like the lack of sleep and that you've lost an income and, yes, you know, all of, all of these pressures. And I just remember like Jeremy and I had been married for well over a decade by this point. Um, and it was the hardest year of our marriage. And I, mm. and I, I just in hindsight wished that, I don't know what sort of intervention I might have needed. Like maybe it might have been just a little bit of therapy. Maybe it would have been some um, medication as well. I don't know because I never did anything. But um, I kind of wish I did. No, I don't kind of wish. I do wish that I did because it would have just made it so much nicer. Like it was just a real miserable year. And oh. it could have not. It could have not been. It could have been a really nice one. Um, yeah. And eventually, on you know, the children grow and things get a little bit easier. And and um, I don't know. Maybe you just learn skills and mm. things. But yeah, I I don't know why we don't talk about it more. Um, yeah. I think I it agree. is a shameful thing. I think it's because we want to be really good mums. But mm. don't you feel so? satisfied and like unified with someone when they tell you something bad too like isn't that so just like oh my gosh I'm not alone like 100% you know like yeah, yeah like we need as to soon do that as you more. Can have that like yeah exactly like I also think like people don't kind of talk about enough how much relationships can change when you bring oh, a baby yeah. into the world and like you know, and I'm not just talking about like that. You know, your partner who you've Friends. had a baby with, but yeah. friendships. Yeah, like it mm-hmm. really. You have so much more, so much less time, and you've got this yep. human that you're very hyper focused on. Um, yeah, and things just do change, and like it's hard. I think you kind of think before you have your baby, you're like that won't be me. I'm going to keep doing all the things I can, and then like I did mm-hmm. before I had the baby, but that does kind of end up changing and your friend circles change. And it's not to say those friendships Mm -hmm. go, but like, you know, they, for a little while it is a bit different. And like, that's something Mm -hmm. that no one really talks about much, you know? And it's um, just, yeah, you're right. They all change. You kind of hmm. do get a new group of friends. Um, I find that I just see friends less often. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just yeah. don't have the time <laughs> or the energy to to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, it it all changes, but I do think um, there's definitely value in prioritizing the relationships that you want to keep. Like, mm. and it's good to have outings outside of your baby because they do they honestly consume your life. Mm. Um, and it's good to get out in a way um, every now and then. Yeah, it actually it was just making me think like the, you, you know, we, you're talking about how you do a lunch with your husband and yeah. me and Luke, my husband, have you know, we've been trying to do a dinner out once a month if we can. Um, and the last time we did it and we actually sat, you know, down at a table and just chatted like we used to, had a few drinks, had a meal, and, like, it was just so nice to sit there, make eye contact with each other because, like, mm-hmm. you're, half the time you're both rushing around, you're talking, but you're not Which looking yep. at each other. And it was nice to just sit there and chat. And do you know what? Everyone's like, oh, you'll just sit there and talk about your baby. We talked about Louie for a little bit, but we actually just talked how, like, <laughs> like we were before we had a baby. Like, we yeah. actually just had some really – great chat and it made us realize like okay we need to make sure this happens whether it's dinner or a breakfast or a lunch or something to remind ourselves of like you know it was us before the baby yeah, and, like, this not- is it. and you two yeah. made that baby yeah um, and over over your parenthood like the time that you can squeeze that in is gonna vary like for a while they're like nobody wants to babysit three kids so we very rarely go out <laughs> um you know like our parents might give us a long weekend a couple times a year but yeah. um you know some nights you know sometimes it was we'd uber eat and stay up and watch tv once the kids were in bed um and now yeah. that they're in school we have the luxury of being able to go out for lunch um and sometime soon Eli will be old enough and responsible enough to babysit and we might be able to go oh, out for dinner really? but you know like oh I know how exciting um <laughs> but you know like it, 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 it will look different um mm. sometimes it might be like you get up early before everybody else and you have like you say coffee together or whatever it is that you're gonna do but like prioritizing the time yeah that'll be one of my one of the best things that we've ever done for our relationship yeah I think that's something that we've had to figure out but it's something Mm -hmm. that I'm now seeing like okay this is really important (laughs) you know and yeah oh yeah I think it's something that whether you you want to believe it or not like relationships will change and you need to you actually need to put in more effort as well I think that's the thing Mm -hmm. for us like Mm -hmm. we realize we actually have to set the side of time aside and make the effort whereas we used to just have the freedom to spend all this time together whenever we want it and you've just got to yeah, yeah. Wow, it's harder when you've got kids yeah wow. yeah exactly <laughs> and we only have one you've got three so I very much think what that is just like incredible I would love you to uh, maybe kind of touch on just with the bars um mm-hmm. how how do those support milk production like I think we hear a lot about um you know lactation mm. cookies lactation bars but how are they supporting milk production because I've had some and I have I've tried the bars. I've loved them. I think I said oh, to you, it so reminds cool. me of a cookie time cookie, the Christmas ones, the apricot yes. chocolate. It really just took me there, which I, those, I'm a big fan of those cookies, but at least these have great quality ingredients. I'm not just eating a bucket of cookies, mm-hmm. but how do I support our milk production? Okay. Um, so 
what they have in it. So the ingredients are very like you would find them in your kitchen. That's probably mm. one of the, my favorite things about them. But they are called galactagogues. So they're a substance or an ingredient that's anecdotally known to boost breast milk supply. Um, so the galactagogues that we have in our bar are oats, um, a couple of different seeds like chia seeds, and we have linseed. Um, and then we have brewer's yeast in it. And so it's those things that boost your milk supply. Now, what we found with our bars, um, so uh, like you said, there's different kind of varieties on the market. Um, with our bars, we find that just one bar, usually every other day is enough. Um, whereas mm -hmm. cookies, sometimes you need to eat like three or more um, yeah. to be able to kind of get the effect. So, yeah, that's what's in ours um there's nothing nasty in them um and I guess like interestingly when we made ours I would home make lactation um cookies when I had my babies but my mm. I was no longer breastfeeding once we formed Lila Jasmine so I, I don't have like personal <laughs> um evidence yeah. from it but we have literally hundreds of reviews from women all over the country who claim they work but also they really love the taste um because mm. not not all lactation products are delicious no and like I that was the first thing I noticed is like I looked at the bar and then I look at the ingredients list and I was like oh like this is yeah, There's nothing flour, here that's like, oats, yeah. Yeah, like really lovely ingredients, no like numbers and chemicals and whatever else. No. Like, And not also just jammed packed with like sugar and whatnot. Like there was mm. just, it was just like a nice, like, like you said, like home baked bar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like tastes, tasted really good. And that's the thing, like I'm still breastfeeding Louis and he's so he's eight months next week and like at this stage I don't have plans to stop we're both still positive on both sides but I particularly noticed when I got sick um appetite went was still having to feed a baby obviously and not yes, feeling great and I found the bars super helpful because I didn't have much of an appetite but at least you know, it would kind of like yeah. tempt me to eat something and it was easy um, and I could kind of then get some calories in and obviously good for the milk as well. And I had no issues with supply um, during the like, I think it's been like three weeks that I've been sick now um, and mm -hmm. my appetite came back and all that sort of stuff. I actually lost my taste for a bit, so I didn't actually oh, take no. <laughs> Yeah, fun COVID symptom that was. But like it was nice. Just to not, you know, when you're sick, you don't really feel like thinking about food. Mm. You know, it's mm -hmm. not top priority. And I just was eating these bars and, yeah, milk supply just chugged on. I didn't notice <laughs> any changes. And now I like to have them as like a, I keep a few in my nappy bag, keep a few in the car because that's quite often I'll get in the car. We're all sorted and I'll get like start driving off. I'm like, oh, I didn't eat breakfast. Like This is it, <laughs> yeah. But then I've got a stash in my car, so it's perfect, yeah. you know. I just can yeah. inhale one of those. <laughs> I so when we made them, we knew. <laughs> oh, yes. We quite often get um, dads eating them. We once went to a baby <laughs> expo and a dad, like, found me and he was like, here you are and he comes up and he buys like this big lot of bars they were uh, not for his partner who had just like, given birth they were for him um that is a fond memory of mine but oh, yeah no. they're deliberately individually wrapped like that was really really important to us we wanted you to be able yeah. to have a bar anywhere anytime 
Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah, I think that's, you know, it's something that you hear mothers talking about a lot and parents just in general is like having the time to make themselves food or make themselves a meal or it needs to be one handed. And that's exactly what these bars yeah. do. Like you don't, yeah. you don't need to prep anything. You can just literally, yeah. yeah. If you're trapped in a, a cluster feed, if you've got some nearby. <laughs> you've got it, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I love that you have enjoyed them. That is so cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, like, yeah, okay, they were fantastic while I was sick. But even just, like, day to day, it's nice to have something like that that I know is, like, good for me, tastes good, easy, convenient, without all the the crap that you get in most other, like, convenience foods, I guess. Because I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm – Bag of chips, like, or so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is so easy to go for when you're like, yeah, like, oh, that looks delish, you know. I mean, yes. we'll still go there as well, but at least, yeah, <laughs> majority of the time, it's a nice, healthy snack. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan. I actually just have it, have had a girlfriend give birth, and I, I got her some as well because I was just like. You know, in those first six weeks as well, when you're su- establishing your supply, which also I didn't mm. know before I had a birth, a baby, um, mm-hmm. you're so hungry. And like even breastfeeding now, I'm still really hungry, but not as much as like that first beginning. Kind of, hey, yeah, yeah. Is that something? To, like, is that appetite is, definitely increases? So does first. Yeah. Um, yeah definitely and you quite you need to consume quite a bit more calories when you're breastfeeding so Mm. I think sometimes women feel a little bit of pressure to like look really good after having a baby but you Mm. know what like you there should be no pressure you should eat whatever you want um and so I always say like to have some sort of like you know fruit or nuts or a bar um and a big glass of water every time you feed Mm. That's a really – so I've kind of had a different experience in my postpartum and breastfeeding in that I've really struggled to keep weight on. And I know mm-hmm. people will hear that and kind of roll their eyes and be like, oh, poor you, what a problem. But it is actually a problem when you kind of look in the mirror and you're looking a little bit scraggly and thin and not mm-hmm. super womanly and kind of concerned about your supply. And that's yeah. where I – been at with my breastfeed like throughout my breastfeeding journey is actually worried about keeping weight on and Um, continuing to feed um and you know everyone's like just eat more and I eat more I just you know I just that's just been my experience you were just yeah so that like I guess the the old school narrative is that if you breastfeed you'll lose weight Mm. Um, and I guess that does happen for a lot of people, but not everybody. Um, yeah. And I can see how that would be problematic for you um, mm. because you, you're like, I am eating more. Um, yeah. And and I guess, um, you know, when you're trying to prioritize your baby and, and make sure that they're getting enough milk, um, yeah, I can see how. And also, like, feeling good about yourself too mm. um, and trying and liking what you see. Um, this is where seeing like a um, like a dietitian can be really helpful, and there mightn't be anything that you can do. It could be a hormonal thing that won't, mm. um, you know, like 
equilibrium, like reach an equilibrium until the feeding stopped. Sorry, I've, it's not my area of expertise, but yeah, I can no, see how no, that no, would be okay. tricky. Yeah. Yeah, it's also just like a difficult thing, I think, to discuss with other women when you, you know, yes, there's this bounce yes. back culture and people want their ba- their bodies back. And here you are being like, I, you know, I can't keep weight on. But yeah, it is in my brain, it is just equally as a problem as if you were bigger yeah. and not liking that. Like, um, yeah. so that's kind of been my, but I've been loving introducing the bars as well. I was going to say as well, because it's an easy way for me to boost my calories during the day yeah um, mm-hmm. you know so I think that it can go either way like people there's this whole like bounce back culture but then it's like when it goes too far the other way and you're then concerned about yeah, supply, I can it, see um, it. yeah. yeah it's such a I wish the bounce thing. back wasn't a thing um oh. I wish yeah but I get it I like it's the world we live in isn't it yeah it's it's everywhere unfortunately which is just like mm. another thing that you kind of another journey to go through as you kind of I know. pregnancy and birth and into motherhood as yeah. well. Yeah, like how long does your baby sleep? And you oh. know, yes, <laughs> the competitions. Yeah, yes. Oh my goodness. Hey, I would love you to maybe share some tips from all your motherhood and nursing and midwifery, midwifery experience around. Just something that, you know, some top tips that you would have for for new mothers and things you wished you knew about babies and becoming a mum that you didn't know that you'd love to share. Okay. Um, I think my (laughs) Ren's top tips, my number one, which I've already said, but I'm going to reiterate, would be to spend an equal amount of time preparing for the fourth fourth trimester as you do pregnancy and birth like read from credible resources soak it all up um and you are just going to be have a much more successful outcome if you do that um Mm. baby tips um i think having an understanding that babies are a bit like a puzzle so mm-hmm. one day the piece fits tomorrow it doesn't um and just kind of knowing that babies feed a lot and don't sleep a lot <laughs> yeah. I, and it just sounds like awful advice but I think if you know that like okay so babies can feed every two hours and they can sometimes only sleep you know like a baby sleep cycle was actually only 40 minutes long mm. um so you know in an ideal world, you're going to get three sleep cycles, but sometimes you don't. Um, I believe that fresh air fixes everything. Yeah. So if you're having a tough day, um, you know, pop the baby in the pram or in the front pack and go for a walk. There's nothing wrong, and I've done this. I mean, I'll just take the judgment. Just <laughs> um, <laughs> popping your headphones on and just pounding <laughs> the pavement. And you know what? Everybody else can listen to your baby cry, but you don't have to. And with some fresh air and sun on your face, and the movement, I can almost guarantee your baby will go to sleep and you will be feeling yeah. so much better. And my yeah. last one, my last one would be in addition to having like a weekly date with your partner would mm. be preparing some meals. Like food is one of the most beautiful gifts that you can get given in the fourth trimester. Yeah. But if you don't have a great support system around you, um, you know, having things piled up in the freezer. But yeah. also, 
in that same breath, don't be too proud to ask a friend to start a meal train or start one yourself and just spread it far and wide. People are usually dying to do something nice for you, but they don't quite know what to do. Um, And they'll usually buy a gift that you don't need. Mm -hmm. And I think the most useful thing would be food. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I think that's such good advice as well. And like also thinking of someone once said to me as well, like thinking outside the baby and the mum and the dad, because obviously that's all very important, but like have they got somewhere else in their house that they, all their lives that they could need some support? Like for us, such a big help was having our dogs walked. Oh, yes. You know, I didn't think of that. I thought like, oh, I love still walking the dogs, but like hang a minute, no way. Like that was so far down the the priority. I actually have on my website a free postpartum plan and it's one oh, of the cool. um, one of the bits that you fill in is like that. Um, it is like, who could I ask to walk my dog or pick up my other children or, yes. you know? And so that could, there you go, download the postpartum plan and fill it in. It just kind of makes you think about all those extra things. Like, what if you're gone mm. and you can't feed your dog or, yeah. you know? Oh. Exactly. And it, like, I love this. I love the whole idea just around educating yourself more for the, the you know, that, that fourth trimester postpartum because. Like, I mean, do we really things. need more swaddles? Like we don't really need more <laughs> swaddles. <laughs> no, I got given a lot of, which is super random, is bath choice. Got oh, we so many got so many toys. toys. Yeah. Uh, and I, um, I've got this photo of Louis' first go. bath which I laugh at now and Louis's first bath. So he would have been a week old and Luke and I first time parents, we've got all the bath toys out because you know, this is going to be <laughs> such a fun experience. Louis's going to be splashing around playing with his toys. Yeah. And the photo of him is he's like pretty much asleep in the water yeah. as we're holding him, <laughs> but all the toys are out. And I was just like laughing. Cause like now he actually does enjoy bath toys, but like, just like, things That's hilarious. like, what were we thinking? Yeah. That is so <laughs> funny. I get people coming into my shop all the time wanting to buy swaddles. So the truth is I don't really sell them because I just find <laughs> them pointless. Like yeah. what is the actual use of them? Like, I mean, yeah. sure, they make a great burp cloth and they make a great cover for the sun when you're in the pram. But, you know, like I just kind of find them useless. But it is the thing people like to give. It's so funny because, I, yeah, again, I have – got lots of swaddles but I still went out and bought more and I remember when I bought one I was asking the lady I was like how many swaddles would you recommend and one of the reasons she's like look you can't really have too many because you can still use them for like burp cloths and all this sort of stuff so literally what you've just said and I'm like now I've got like swaddles I've never used sorry if anyone I know (laughs) I mean I just like if you're going, to, you're either going to swaddle your baby if you're not, or you're not. But if you're going to, they're not even that great for swaddling. They don't have enough stretch in them. So yeah, I'm talking about the muslin ones anyway. But yeah, yeah. the very trendy looking ones. I think we ended yeah. up just like lying it over. Like we had like one of those like little cloud pillow things that we could lie Louis on when he was yes. really little. And we used that as like a kind of like a cover for that, so we could change it up because they. Yeah, and everything that was more useful for that than swaddling (laughs) yes totally totally I would love for you to share your where you're at in your motherhood journey today so you know you've got a teenager you've got some energetic boys on your hands what what's (laughs) been your most enjoyable season of motherhood and your most challenging 
Okay, I'm going to start with the most challenging, and that was definitely when I had Zave. He was a beautiful yeah. baby. He was so, they say third babies just kind of slot in because they don't have a choice, yeah. and he was exactly that. Like, I am not stretching the truth that sometimes I would just forget he was there because he just, just <laughs> he's got these, <laughs> he has these big blue eyes, and Aww. and they're a bit of a blast from the past because neither my husband or I have colored eyes. Yeah. And he, he just has these big blue eyes and he just used to suck his thumb and smile. That was it. He never cried. Oh. He never, he was just delightful. But yeah. I had this toddler on my hand who would run away and escape. And I, I, he, the first time he ran away, he actually climbed out his bedroom window at one year old. He, he is, oh my goodness. he is, I'm, I, he is Houdini. He, and he still is <sighs> my little firecracker to today. So that was hard, just learning to have these three boys. And, and I, my friends will say, like, I just had, I grew eyes on my head and two extra arms. Like I could just, I just learned to manage them. Um, that was difficult, but now I'm in this beautiful season where my teenager knows how to joke. And so like, we can sit on the couch and like, you know, have banter Mm. and it's really cool. And he's like, and he's into sort of things that we're into and, um, we go to, you may or may not have heard it, but we go to Lake Taupo holiday resort, um, a couple times a, a year and it's like this it's basically a campground with this big hot pool with a swim up bar and a big TV and a playground and stuff. But oh. the coolest thing, it's, it's, it's incredible. But the coolest thing is like my kids can all swim by themselves and they swim off and they make friends and then they come back. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm in a really nice spot now. My kids can articulate yeah. like their feelings and, and my middle wild child, last night read a book and I could he could read and I was like wow man you can read like this is it's just the older they get I think the cooler it gets um our other six-year-old just turned six last week and he lost his first tooth and he looks like a pirate and it's hilarious but I don't know I think now I think now is always going to be the best time and when you look back you're going to be like that was hard but I got through that. Yeah. And like how much you've, like how cool your life is with these, you know, little people that you've got, like how amazing. And do the boys kind of get along or do you get plenty of, yeah. Plenty of rough housing. I won't even pretend that that doesn't happen. Like they do fight, but our two little boys, they still sleep in the same bed. They slept in the same bedroom their entire life, but they still sleep in the same bed. And we've just bought a new house. And I said to them, guys, what do you, there's a spare bedroom. What are you guys going to do? And they said, oh no, we want to, we still want to share a room, but we're just going to have half a bed, but half a bed to them because they share a queen bed. So they think half a bed means two single beds. Right. (laughs) So they're going to have half a bed each. Right, but they yeah. Sit, yeah. So, look, they get along. Um, with a teenager, sometimes like you know, his interests are a little bit different. But we try and have. I mean, it comes in seasons. We try and spend like they get dates with us, so we spend oh. you know an evening or an hour with them and just kind of cycle it through. Um, but yeah, no, they get along. I, 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 a piece of me wishes they got along a bit better but that's just 
you know, you always want a little bit more than what you've got, don't you, sometimes? Oh, of course. And I think you always think like, oh, that, you know, you see other things, which is also probably just like a snippet of one day. And then, you know, you're like, it's not maybe reality, but you think, oh, that would be really nice. Like, oh, I wish they did that. But it's like, oh, but, you know. When you look at it, you're like, I oh, got it pretty good. And they're like, yeah. oh, God, at least, you know, like that's – I would love to kind of start wrapping up our conversation, but just mm-hmm. I would love you to see maybe if it's something that you and your husband spoke about, but one ch- value that you're raising your boys with. We – something we're working really hard on is resilience. So mm. I think in a world where – I do think that we've got a bit of like entitlement, you know, mm. um, this this coming up generation where children think they can have everything and, and it, they deserve it. So we're trying to raise really resilient children who can, mm. um, you know, navigate things when it doesn't go their way, who can problem solve when something's difficult, um, who can think outside of the box. And so that's what we try to do. Our, our kids have jobs. Um, we don't do everything for my husband would probably say I do too much but um, it's more that I don't like mess so maybe I do take over a little bit too much but that is that's I think if we could sum it up that would be the thing that we are working on is raising resilient children I love that as well especially in a world where everything is so quickly accessible you know like you can have things quickly and then sometimes the value in working hard and something taking long you know it's almost a little bit like everything's so quick and it has to be now and it's like yeah you know yeah the latest the greatest yeah 13 year old like he has he has two little jobs he um yeah he has two little jobs and I love that and he's learning how to pay for things himself and um, you know, right now they don't quite understand the cost of being mm. a human, um, but having jobs, I think, helps them understand that. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like the value, of, you know, value of things and, you know, not things yeah. that you can have everything, like things cost something and you've got to work. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you've oh. paid for it, man, you look after it, don't you? <laughs> oh, exactly. And it's so funny, like I've seen these experiments where it's like, a child spending money that they've earned versus spending their parents, like if their parents yeah. just give them $5 versus if they've earned $5, for example, and like how differently mm. they approach how they would spend that money. And it's so true. Yep. Like I, yeah, I still remember doing that sort of stuff when I was younger, like doing, you know, getting chores and getting money when I would complete all my chores and just like how differently you'd use that money versus how you would, if you'd just been given it. So I think that's Absolutely. a really cool, cool value. Oh, Ren, I just love everything you're doing in the space with the fourth trimester workshop, your bars. Um, I'm really enjoying them myself as I've shared. It tastes like cookies to me. So it's a win. <laughs> um, and yeah, just the, the workshop you're doing. So if people want to enroll in the workshop, purchase bars, what is the best way to go about that? probably our website actually so it's just yeah. lilajasmine.co.nz um and you can buy bars and um workshop access there and then we have a stockist list too so you're able to see where you know there's a stockist near you if you need to get your bars urgently amazing and such a good um gift for a new mum as well the bars oh yeah 
sharing those or even just, yeah, like a antenatal, like if you've got someone maybe in your circle who's about to have a baby, maybe enrolling them in the class or do you do gift vouchers? Yeah, we do do gift vouchers and we do have people do that and I just think it's so special when they Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I had um, just at my last session an aunt bought her niece and nephew tickets to my session and she wrote me a little email saying that it was something she wished she'd known about 25 years ago and I thought oh this is just too cool that is super cool and yeah I just think something was definitely needed and amazing that you're putting it out there for all the new parents and it's not just for mums right is it for no yeah anybody um to begin with in the early days we did just have mums come but now we Mm. have like couples yeah mostly couples come now yeah and you don't even have to be first time like we get women who have you know might have had a more trickier first time or might have Mm. had a NICU baby and so like going home with a baby is quite different for them um so yeah really it's just if you think that that is something that you need to know then maybe come along or even just connect with people as well like that's such a big thing as well like meeting mum friends or dad friends like that's a great way to, to form some friendships if you can go in person or, you know, I think Absolutely. that's really nice. Oh, I've just yeah. loved chatting. I could keep chatting. Thank you so much for sharing with us your experience and your work. I think it's just really inspiring and I still can't wrap my head around how you're doing it all, but um, <laughs> thank God there's people like you out there. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, Emma. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've really enjoyed this conversation. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you can leave a review and rate on Apple Podcasts, share with your mama friends, get it out there, and also please follow along on Instagram at Bumped Mum Podcast. I share updates on future episodes and also just love interacting and getting your feedback on what you're enjoying and what you're not. So yeah, thank you so much again.